Hey, it is really great to uh, be back. Uh, my wife and I have been gone for a couple weeks. Uh, great to be back with the Valley family. We are officially empty nesters. We dropped off all three of our girls uh, at college. And uh, I, I mentioned to one of the staff pastors, uh, Jamie Farragella, who's also an empty nester, I was like, why didn't you tell me it's this awesome? It is fantastic. I, I mean, the, the only way I can put it into, and I feel sorry for all of you that still have kids at home. I really do. Uh, I, I, the only thing I could put it this way is like, I get to spend all the time with my best friend and I don't have to share her anymore. I, I mean, it is the greatest thing in the world. We got married so the two of us would be together. And those three other kids, they came along afterwards, so, so this is just uh, fantastic. We're thoroughly enjoying it, and our girls are thoroughly enjoying being out of the nest, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, and, and that being said, uh, it kind of leads me to what I want to talk about during our time together today. So if you have your Valley Christian Church app, if you'll just go ahead and open that up, and you'll be able to fill in the blanks there. Uh, for this special uh, standalone message, we want to welcome uh, all those that are also joining us with our campuses uh, as well. I want to talk about are we there yet? Are we there yet? And uh, what do we do when we're in that time in life, the meantime? In the meantime, when, we, when we're, we're waiting for God to do something, we're not who we used to be, but we're not yet who we're going to be. And, and there's some things that we believe God still is going to do in our lives and through our lives, but there's this meantime. What do we do in the meantime? And, and I want to look at a story that happens in the life of the disciples with Jesus, and, and I think there's a couple of real truths and points that we can pull out from this story that are going to help us in answering this question, are we there yet? And so uh, if you have your, your app, go ahead and open it up. If not in the Bible, uh, in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, I just want to read the story, and then we'll start kind of unpacking it in our time together. Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 45, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. Now let's stop for just a minute. Let me give you a little context. Immediately after what happened here, immediately after Jesus feeds the 5,000. That's the miracle that, that comes right before what we're going to see happen right here. So as soon as he feeds the 5,000, he dismisses them. And he tells the disciples, get in the boat and, and, and go across the, the lake there, across the body of water. Um, and it says, uh, across to Bethsaida. And while he, uh, while he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on the mountains to pray. And it goes on and it says... Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. It continues. And he saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. I don't know about you, but there have been some times, even recently, Saturday, where I felt like the wind was against me. I felt like the wind was, it was just, the, the more I tried to move forward, the, the more resistance it seemed happened. I mean, we, we said goodbye to our girls, and that's always an emotional thing. And, and Susie and I, we were going to go to Baltimore and, and spend a couple of days there, kind of like a second honeymoon. We're, we're like one hour away from Baltimore. Get a phone call. It's our daughter, Sophia, hysterical on the phone. Mom, Dad, I was playing basketball. I tore my ACL again. I went bananas. I just, I, just, I just went crazy in my mind. So we had to turn around and drive all the way back 
to Virginia another three hours. Basically, we spent six hours in the car on Saturday and ended up right where we started. Nothing to show for it. And it just seemed like the wind was against us. That we, I'm a leader. I like forward progress. We made no progress. I mean, it's one thing in the emotional curbside saying goodbye to the kids. But, but then torn ACL, and, and we, we, she, she saw our orthopedic, you know, our orthopedist, all this stuff, and he said, okay, and, and, you know, it looked like everything was all right, and she's on crutches, and okay, great way to start off your freshman year, and so then we go downstairs, you can't make this stuff up, we go downstairs in the dorm, we get back in the car, we haven't even eaten dinner, and like, ah, we haven't eaten anything in hours, we get back in the car, and the car won't start, and I'm like, God, are you serious? I mean, we felt like the wind was just against us. Anybody relate to that? Ever feel like one of the, it just seems like it just nothing's happening. The wind is against us. Well, that's what's happening here with the disciples. And watch, shortly before dawn, he went to them walking on the lake. Here comes Jesus. They're in a boat in the lake not making any progress, and they're rowing, and it's just the wind is against them, and here comes Jesus walking on the lake, and don't miss this. I love the Bible. He was about to pass them. <laughs> what is up with Jesus? He's like, hi, guys, how you doing? And he's just walking. He's walking on the water. He's about to pass them. They've been out there. No, we don't know how long they've been out there, because remember, we're talking about in the meantime, we don't know how long they've been out there. The Bible doesn't tell us how long they've been out there. It seems like it's been hours and hours, not a short amount of time. And Jesus is just going to walk right by him. And then the Bible goes on and it says, But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out. Wouldn't you think he's a ghost too? See someone walking up to the boat across the water? And it goes on and says, because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. How do you like Jesus, right? Here, here he is walking on water. They're, they're, trying, they're making no headway. Here comes this guy. I think it's a ghost. He's like, hey, don't be afraid. That's like the understatement of the world, right, uh, of, of all time. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And the Bible continues and it says, then he climbed in the boat with them and the wind died down. Everything's peaceful. And they were completely amazed. Watch what it says. goes on. For they had not understood about the loaves. They didn't understand. He'd just done the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. And it's like they still didn't get it. If, if, if that's the only thing that he did before the cross, at least it showed, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. But they didn't get it. And look at what it says. Their hearts were hard. The disciples. Their hearts were hardened. And when they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. What do we do in the meantime? I, as, Summer's winding up, Labor Day weekend, right? And, and it just got me thinking, and, and just kind of where we are as a family, and like I said, dropping our kids off at college. It, it just got me thinking, when, when I was young, uh, 
My family's originally from Georgia. We moved here to Hopewell Junction when I was five years old. But every summer, we'd make the trek back down to Georgia, from, from here in Hopewell down to Savannah, Georgia. Back then, there was no 70-mile-an-hour speed limits. It was 55. So it took about 15 hours in the car, all six of us. And, and we didn't stop in a hotel. One, we couldn't afford it. Two, uh, no one would have gotten any sleep. The six Williamsons in one room, nobody was going to be sleeping. We were just pinging off the walls. So, so every year we would do this. And every year, and I was just this kind of just punky little kid. Uh, and, and if you can imagine just this husky little blonde-haired guy, just full, beautiful head, blonde hair. Just, it was gorgeous. It was just really nice back then. And, and, and we'd get to about New Jersey, about Route 17, on our way down to Georgia. And I'd say, Dad? Are we there yet? And sometimes he wouldn't even answer. Because, you know, I, I know now, like, if you could see the thought bubbles, my son's an idiot. Because, I mean, think about it. We're, the car's still moving. As long as the car's still moving, you're not there yet. And I knew what Georgia looked like. I knew we weren't anywhere near Savannah. What did I mean when I said, are we there yet? Are we there yet? said, I, I've, I've listened to all of, uh, all of my Ario Speedwagon and Journey cassette tapes in my Walkman. I, you know, I've colored and everything. I, I, I've done all these things. We had all these little games. We, we, we played Family Feud too many times already in the car. Daddy, are we there yet? Because there's this thing of the excitement of packing the car, and then there's this meantime. In the meantime. And... and Life really happens in the meantime. Have you ever thought about that? We, we get so used to, in our culture, in our society, we're, we're like uh, addicted to highlights. I, I mean, Sports Center, you know, you watch Sports Center on, on an evening, it doesn't show the baseball team running off the field at the end of the inning. All you see is the highlights. All you see is that, and we've, been, we've become so addicted. What's the next highlight? What's the next big thing? In fact, even in the Bible, the Bible is just the highlights. When you think about it, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are just the highlights of Jesus' life. The last we hear, when you look at Jesus from the time he's born, well, the last story we hear is when he's 12. And, and then he picks up again when he's 30. And we don't hear about it, but the life happened. Like, Jesus had to deal with acne. Jesus had to deal with his voice changing and all that stuff. And we don't hear about any of that stuff. But for so many of us, I think, we, we, we fail to realize what happens in the meantime. Have you ever been, or maybe you're there right now, just like, I'm not who I used to be. But I'm not really who I think I'm going to become, what God wants me to become. And I find myself stuck in the middle right now. I, I'm, it's like I'm on the lake, and I'm rowing, and the boat's not moving. I'm in the car. And that's exactly what's happening to the disciples right here. What do we do in the meantime? What do we do in the meantime? What should you do in the meantime? What can I do in the meantime? The truth is life is lived in the meantime. 
And, and one thing that we do all the time, we, when we're in the meantime, we try to find someone who's navigated to the other side of the lake. And, and so we're looking and someone says, hey, let, we, let me share with you seven easy steps to success to getting to the other side. And you know what I've learned about that? When someone shares with me their seven easy steps on what to do in the meantime, God will completely torpedo those seven steps. It worked for him. It won't work for Greg. Because God is really concerned about what happens in the meantime. Not just the end, but the process. And one of the things we have to learn, I believe, just in terms of growth and spiritual maturity and development is to embrace the process, embrace the meantime. To get to the other side, we've got to look to him. We've got to look to Jesus. We've got to focus in on him because it's Jesus Christ and him alone that's going to help us to navigate through the waters to get to the other side. Not just a concept, and boy, I, I just love it. Don't you appreciate so much Pastor Steve and the job he did over the last two weeks as he was just talking about, go ahead, give him a hand, he deserves that. I was just like, Susie, let's just stay a month. I, I mean, church is fine, no problem at all. Uh, but, but as he was talking about, you know, God of our own minds, of our own image, of who we think he is. We don't need an image. We don't need some abstract understanding. We need Jesus Christ when we find ourselves and the wind is blowing and the storm clouds are gathering. And we know he's behind us, but up in front, boy, it doesn't look too promising up ahead as the skies are getting darker and darker in the meantime. Evidently, in the meantime, means something to God. What is the meantime? From God's perspective, there's value and significance in the meantime. From God's perspective, there's value and significance in the meantime. Even as the disciples had watched and they'd gathered together the leftover loaves and fish, then Jesus sent them into, think about this for a minute. This just messes with me. Jesus sent them out in the lake. He knew there was a storm that was going to come. And he sent them out into it. He sent them right out. And he didn't say, guys, there's a storm coming. Wait till tomorrow morning. Cross the lake. He said, guys, get in the boat right now and go. He knew what was going to come. Because he understood there's incredible value and significance in the meantime. Some of the best lessons that we learn in this life about God, we learn while we're waiting on him. Waiting on him to do the next thing. Waiting on him to come through. Waiting on him to do the next thing. Look at it again in Mark chapter 6, verse 45 where it says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go ahead to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. He knew what was going to happen. It was a setup because there was something he wanted them to learn. Something that, that, that while they were out there, are we there yet? God, where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you saving us? What can you do? Where did you go? Jesus knew 
There's something I want you to learn about the meantime, the space in between in the meantime. You know, let's be honest. We're in church. It's a good place to be honest. Sometimes we make other people feel like only the super spiritual people make it over to the other side. Only those who got it all together. You know, God's mighty man of faith and power. I'll show you how to get to the other side. There's only one problem with that. That's not who the disciples were. And they got to the other side. In fact, the Bible makes it very, very clear. Look at it again in, in verse 52 and 53. It says, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hard. See, if, if I was Jesus and I'm walking on the water, I'm walking on the water and they're like freaking out the disciples in the boat. I'm like, you guys just go back. You can just go back to the other side. I'm starting over. I, I'm kicking you out. I'm going to find people with soft hearts. I'm going to find some men with some soft hearts and I'm going to work with them. But that's not what Jesus did. They got safely over to the other side, and their hearts were hard. They didn't believe him. They didn't trust him. They didn't have faith in him. And he's still looking out for them. And he still loves them. And he's still trying to teach them, and he doesn't reject them. Their hearts were hardened, and when they crossed over, they landed. And they anchored there. They didn't understand the loaves. They didn't understand that from the feeding of 5,000 that Jesus said, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to look out for you. The storm came, and all of a sudden, God, where are you? Now, I know none of us ever do that, do we? Isn't it amazing how short-term our memories are? I, I mean, we're, we're facing a storm in our life, and we forget the 38 storms that God has successfully brought us through. And we're still alive. Oh, we might have gotten dinged up a little bit. But by the way, that's what that armor of God is for anyway. It, it's not to just shine. It's because you're going to take some shots in this life. And, and we've gotten dinged up a little bit. And, and God's like, Jesus is like, really? You, you just saw me take a few loaves and a few fish and feed 5,000, and now you're doubting and questioning if I love you? If I care for you? If I'm going to take care of you? Their hearts were hard. They, they didn't understand about the loaves. Here's the big thing when I read this story. How did the disciples, their hearts were hard, so it wasn't because they were tremendous men of faith. What was the key that helped the disciples get to the other side? It's not really profound, but it's incredibly powerful. They stayed in the boat. They stayed in the boat. So many times in my life, when times get tough and the storm clouds, I want to jump ship. You, you know Peter was thinking about, I mean, Peter, like, he had, he had one leg over, man. He was, he was like, I'm out of here, man. I'm diving in. And so many times, like, I want to throw in the towel. I want to jump ship. But they stayed in the boat. 
they stayed in the boat. Not because they had great faith, but it's almost like, what other even, what else am I going to do? They stayed in the boat, and because they stayed in the boat, they made it to the other side. Look at verse 51 again of Mark chapter 6. They climbed, uh, then he climbed in the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were completely amazed. So here's something that I believe with all my heart, because I'm not an old man, but I'm not a young man. I'm older than I was yesterday. And, and I've, I've been walking with, with Jesus as my Lord and Savior for a long time. I, I believe this with all of my heart. The longer you stay around Jesus, the more significant just staying around Jesus becomes. The, 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 the more you just hang out with him, like we, when he's the center of your life, the more when stuff happens all around, you just drill down even deeper into the rock. That's what's so significant. They stayed with Jesus. And, and so many times, I know so many well-meaning people, when times got tough, they bail on Jesus. They bail on the church. What's the boat for you? I mean, it's the church. It's us. And they throw their leg overboard, and they jump overboard. And in coaching football, we would call this making a bad play worse. Because here's the thing. Storms are going to come. Storms are going to come in this life. But you know what else? Storms also go. Storms also go, and I've seen so many, too many well-meaning good people shoot their spiritual life, their faith in the foot. Just shoot themselves in the foot because they jumped overboard out of the boat when the storm came. The longer you stay around Jesus, the more significant just staying around Jesus becomes. It's just enough. It's just enough. So translating today, and now I just want to apply this, just took that time to un unpack this passage. Now I want to just apply it so we have something really tangible to walk out of here with. For us today, answering this question, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do in the meantime? What do you do when you're in the boat and you know he's behind you, but he seems really far behind on the other side. And the boat is rocking, and the lightning is crashing, and the thunder is smashing. What do you do when there's nothing left to do, when there's nothing that you can do? Here's the first thing. Stay the course. Stay the course. When the curveball comes... When, 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 the, when the phone call comes and it's the news and it just takes your breath away, Daddy, I tore my ACL again. Stay the course. Stay the course. Don't, don't jump overboard. One of the biggest problems that we have in the meantime is trying to do too much. And can I, can I just speak to the, to the men right now? Guys, we have a real problem in the meantime. 
because as men, we are so prone to try to fix everything. When there's a problem, we want to fix it. But some, there's some stuff you just can't fix in this life. And you can get so distracted trying to fix things. Like, like if you're married, you know, my wife comes to me and she says, Honey, let me share with you about something going on with me. And she's telling, and I'm, all, I'm like, I've got to fix this. I'm like, well, you could do this, you could do that. And she goes, I just want you to listen. What does that even mean? I don't know what, listen? What is listening? I don't know what that does. I mean, how is that going to help? I just, wanna, I just want you to listen. No, I want to get in there and fix it. And you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to. But, but we're so prone to try, trying to do stuff. And we spin our wheels instead of just stay the course. Stay the course. All of our busyness can't get us to the other side where God wants us to be. There's going to be stormy days in this life. And let me just say it this way. If you're not in the middle of a storm right now, thank the Lord. But I guarantee you there's going to be one that's going to hit sometime. That's just life. Life's hard. Life is hard. Stay the course. Stay the course. Don't jump ship. Don't drop anchor. Keep going. Keep going. One of the things about storms is this. They do not last. They just don't last. They come and they go. Look at what Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 puts it this way. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't quit. Don't quit. Quitting never accomplishes anything except quitting smoking or drinking or something like that. Let us not become weary. Now, let me just point out something here. As I was studying this today, it's like I never even saw this before. Maybe you're in this time in your life, you're like, God, I've, I've, been, I've been after you. I've been following you, and, and I'm just waiting for my harvest. I'm waiting for my harvest. I'm waiting for my harvest. And you know what? You're never going to find it because that's not what this says. It does not use the personal pronoun. You will never experience your harvest. I don't have a harvest. You don't have a harvest. We have a harvest, those of us that are in the boat. Look at it. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we, we in the boat, we in the church, we together. That's why jumping ship always ruins your destiny. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Not me, myself, and I. We, together, we have a harvest. That's why it's so important to be in the boat and to stay the course. We, if we don't give up, we will reap a harvest. If you give up, you'll never fulfill God's plan for your life. You'll never experience all that God has for you. You'll never be all that God wants you to be. Stay the course. Stay in the boat. Here's the second thing I think we can learn here. Is that don't interpret God's silence as his absence. When, when the storm's crying, you're like, God, where are you? This is terrible. How am I ever going to make it? I can't handle this. I was talking to someone recently. They said, I just can't handle this. And I, and I, I said, sweetheart, don't, don't ever say that. 
Or if you do, say it as a proclamation. I can't handle this. Because God will always put you and me in situations we can't handle. Because he wants us relying on him. Depending on him. Every minute of every day. She was saying, I can't handle it. I don't want it. And it's like, no, you want more of Jesus. You'll be able to handle it. Don't interpret God's silence as his absence. Remember, Jesus sent him into the storm. C.S. Spurgeon, a great preacher, actually he's called the Prince of Preachers. He put it this way. God is too good to be unkind. He's too wise to be mistaken. And when you cannot trace his hand, you can trust his heart. Don't, don't mistake his silence that he's not there, that his presence is not with us, it's, that he's actually absent. Here's the third thing. Embrace your inability as an opportunity to experience Christ's ability. This is what I was just talking about. I can't handle it. And God's like, it's about time you admitted it. That, that's where he wants you. That's where he wants me every moment of the day. I can't handle it. The, the deception is the stuff we think we can handle without him. And that's what we mess up in life. Just look at your checkbook. Anyway, embrace the inability and the opportunity to experience Christ's ability. The, the stuff we think we can We make a mess of that stuff all the time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says... We've talked about this recently. Each time God, God, uh, Paul was praying here about an issue in his life, and said, God, just take this away from me. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. God's power works best in weakness. So now, Paul says, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. He's like, I'm proud that I can't handle it. That's like awesome. And Paul's like, you know what? Let me just tell you something about me. I can't handle anything. I can't handle anything. Man, I, it, Saturday, uh, da, 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 I was like, oh, no, no, no. There's no way. It's just can't happen. Tell you the rest of the story. We called AAA. They came and jumped off the car. We drove it over to uh, uh, my in-law's house where we were staying. We're like, we're back. He thought we were gone. We're back. Brought all the suitcases back in. We're like, all right. Now, we're going to get a good start Sunday morning. I'm going to head up to Baltimore. We're going to have one night. It's just going to be one night. We're going to tear the museums. We're going to do all that stuff. We're going to have a great time. Walk out there. Pack up the car. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, no, no, this isn't happening. AAA, we called AAA battery experts. When we called and they said, oh, the guy will bring you a battery. He will have one in his truck. He will bring you a battery and put it in there for you. He shows up, diagnostics, yep, your battery's dead. And I was like, okay. He's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Williamson, I don't have one with me. I was like, what? He's like, I'll jump you off and then I'll show you where AutoZone is. I'm like, thank you very much. Because those of you who know me, changing a battery in a car, I can't handle it. I can't do that. That's why we decided, once we got that battery in, we're like, we're not turning this car off again until we're in our driveway in New York. 
came straight back. Forget about Baltimore. Don't like the Orioles anyway. So anyway, my power works best. I'm just kidding. No, I hate them. Uh, my power works best in weakness. I'm glad I'll bo- to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Here's the fourth thing. What do we do when there's nothing we can do? When we feel absolutely helpless? What do we do? Help a brother out. Help a brother out. But when you feel like you're just going through it and you can't take anymore, look for someone that you can help. Or maybe, maybe you've made it safely to the other side right now, on the other side of the shore. Look for someone who's still uncertain, that the waves are still crashing on their boat. Invite them. Invite them to come. Say, listen, I don't have all the answers. And and, and a pastor of our church, he sure doesn't have all the answers. But you know what? Come with me to Valley, and you'll experience the one who does have all the answers. And his name is Jesus. Help a brother out. Help him out. We will reap. Sometimes we don't feel like we're reaping because it's not our season, but we need to understand it's we together collectively. There's, there's something about when we gather in the boat, if you will, like this, as a church family. Because your reaping inspires my reaping. Your faith strengthens my faith. Your joy ignites my joy. We all need a friend in the boat with us that when they see that look in our eye they can tell us you're not jumping out of the boat today I'm here with you and I'm going to grab you by the foot you're not jumping overboard I'm not going to let it happen I'm standing here with you we're going to get through this together you're not alone we're in this thing together and we've got a we got a whole spiritual family here together we're going to see ourselves. We're going to see through to the other side with the grace of God. In Isaiah chapter 35, we're talking about helping a brother out. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3 and 4 says, With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands. Encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those who have fearful hearts, Be strong. Do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy the enemies. He's coming, and he's coming to save you. You know, the amazing thing as I thought about this passage is this. The disciples knew this. The disciples had heard this before, and yet their faith was so weak. None of them thought, Jesus wouldn't have sent us out here to die. He's coming to save us. No, they thought he was a ghost. And even in that small, frail, little faith, Jesus still didn't give up on them. And they made it safely to the other side. See, let me end with this. There's a big difference between an ending and a finish. 
Endings are imposed. Endings are abrupt. Endings are inflicted. Finishes are earned. Finishes are celebrated. And he who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to finish it, to complete it. You're not finished yet. I'm not finished yet. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't jump overboard. That's an ending. Let God finish what he started in you. I don't know about you. If you've ever asked God, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I think God wants to speak to every one of us right now today and say, I'm not finished with you. I'm still working. Stay the course. Don't interpret my silence as my absence. Embrace your inability as an opportunity to experience Jesus' ability and turn and help someone else out if you're on the other side of the shore right now who may be going through a storm right now. He is the God who will walk us through the storms of life to arrive safely on the other side. Not an abrupt interrupting ending but a finish that's worth celebrating would you bow your heads with me let's pray Heavenly Father Lord we thank you for your word Lord that, that gives us hope that gives us comfort that encourages us Lord even even though we may be facing a storm right now but Father I pray now that the word that we have looked at, that, that your Holy Spirit has driven into our hearts, Lord, may we take it from this place, Lord, to help those that are in the midst of a storm, and Lord, also to steal our will, to stay the course if we find ourselves in a storm, knowing that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, will help us through to the other side, so long as we stay in the boat. In Jesus' name we pray these things, amen.